0: Something that has absolutely changed your life. Has anybody gotten a gift like that? Like maybe someone got, maybe, maybe for you, someone got you a brand new video game, that one that you've been waiting for, like that NBA 2K that you've been waiting for, or whatever it is, that game that it just brought you loads of joy and loads of fun. Maybe, maybe for our older students, maybe for our older students here in the room, someone got you a car and that changed your life. And, and and so one time I was given a gift one time that absolutely changed my life. And and I was given an opportunity to preach. Now, I, I gotta tell you guys this, I gotta be honest with you guys. You you may I may have just said that and you're like, oh, that's it. Like, for real. But like for me, it was pushing me and challenging me. To, to grow into the calling that God has on my life. and But I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was ready. I didn't feel like I was prepared. Like I, I was given this opportunity to preach. What was going on is our youth pastor. And and what, at this time in our lives, Kristen and I, we were just volunteers in our youth group in Oklahoma. And our youth pastor and, and a team of other, other leaders were going on this trip, taking a bunch of students. And uh, we had jobs. Like we couldn't go. And so we were. so my youth pastor, in the middle of this meeting with – um, these other leaders around, he called me out. And he was like, Jeremy, I want you to preach that Wednesday. And I'm like, huh. And he's like, would you do it? And I'm like, oh, uh, I-, I would love the opportunity. Thank you. I was totally lying. I, I did not want that opportunity. I didn't want to do that. I didn't, I wasn't prepared. I didn't want to preach that night. I was scared. Like, I-, I couldn't, that was like halfway through the meeting. I couldn't remember anything else that was discussed Throughout the whole rest of the meeting, and and at the end, like he kind of asked me to stick around. He's like, "Hey, let's let's kind of talk about this and and talk about what I want you to do." And and um, and so we talked for a while, and then he prayed for me because he, he wanted to pray for me before he left. And and uh, here's how his prayer went: something like this. And this is kind of a, a typical youth pastor kind of prayer, but he was like, uh, "Hey, God, uh I know you think Jeremy's a pretty awesome guy, and I think he's a pretty awesome dude too. Would you just help him as he prepares to preach next week? And, and pretty much that was it. And I was like, dude, that's the best you can do? Like, you know, do you know how scared I am right now? Like, I got to preach this hearing coming up, and that's the best prayer? Come on, man, like you need to pray prayers that will move mountains and do things. So he, he prayed and like, I was losing my mind. Like I'm, I'm naturally just a shy person. I don't like just stand up there and talk and yell. And I'm not, I don't, and I don't love, I don't desire just the stage and just being in front of everyone. Um, And so finally that night came, that night came and, and I got to the church like super early and I was so nervous. I was sweating. I w- it was like nasty sweat. Like if, if you shook my hand, it was like shaking a hand with a wet mop. Like it was bad. Like I was like pit sweats, and it was bad. So, uh, and, and the service didn't start till 7. So I had a lot of time to pray. I had a lot of time. To, so I was like praying, and, and I went outside, and I prayed for a little bit, and I could see clouds in the sky. And I was like, oh, Jesus, if you could send a tornado, like – If you can move mountains, God, I know that you could send a tornado. I was asking, I was praying for rain or hail or lightning or or tornado. And and, and like I didn't want to get anyone to get hurt or anything like that. I just wanted to to be enough of a tornado just to cancel church. I was like, God, you can do this. I believe you can. And I was praying a more passionate prayer about bad weather coming than about preaching this night. But um, God didn't answer that prayer. And, uh, and you know, he just he kind of does those things. But here's what happened. Like it came time and people started showing up. People were walking through the doors. And, and, and I was, once again, I was sweating so bad. And it was, I was getting gross and nasty. And like um, it was one of those nights too. Like, you know when your parents are so proud of you? It was like my parents showed up. And I was like, oh, man, come on. It's like, anyways, so service started, the band began to play and I was in the back of the room pacing around. I was looking at my notes and I was like, oh God, if there's anything you can do, <coughs> if there's anything you can do to get me out of this, God, <coughs> I know you won't fail me. I know you won't, won't, won't I don't want to hurt. Just like now. Um, anyways, next thing I know. The band's done playing. Someone's calling me from the front. Jeremy, Mary, come down here, please? And I'm like, oh, gosh, no. <clears throat> so I walked to the front, and I grabbed the microphone. And the first thing that I did directly into the microphone was cough really loud. I was like, Gah! and everyone was like, Gah! and I was like, I'm really sorry, you guys. Like, this is my first time. Just be patient with me. And like, so I was making all these excuses and stuff, and. And And I, on the way walking down to the front, I was like, "God, please, just don't let me fail." and And I had prayed and I had prepared for like a 30 minute long sermon. And I was so ready and, and I wasn't ready, but I, I had prepared a lot, and I was ready to preach for thirty minutes. By the time it was all done, I had preached for nine whole minutes. I even had an illustrated sermon and everything. I had this thing I did with these handcuffs. And I had this whole illustration and all this stuff. Nine minutes. I was like... Oh. And then, but then at the end of it all, I kind of gave this response. I gave this altar call for, for people to respond. And I was like, nobody's, nobody's going to move. Like, this was terrible. And this guy stood up and walked to the front. And right behind him, a handful of other guys came up and walked to the front. And, and then that was just a, such a, a revealing time for me because, and it was such a, I was so reluctant to accept it, but it was a great gift to me at the time to, uh, to, for that opportunity to preach. See, so looking back now, I realized that the gift that I received changed me. It changed me. You could say it, it even changed my life. We, we all see, receive gifts at different times throughout the year. Everybody receives gifts, like maybe on Christmas uh, or on your birthday. Max, you getting gifts the other day? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. I hope so. Brooklyn, you getting some gifts coming up? Okay, you hope so. All right. (laughs) We got a brother here, so I hope he gets you something. Um, But some some people, you get gifts on, on Christmas or on your birthday. Some people give gifts on Easter, now, how many of you guys actually, you, do, you get gifts on Easter? Like, for real? Like, that never was a thing in my house. That was, I, when I never even knew that was a thing for other people until I got older. And I was like, why are you getting gifts? And I went, I called my mom. I was like, mom, all these people I know are getting gifts for Easter. What is up with that? And her response was, well, you know, um, Jesus is kind of your gift for Easter. So, you don't need nothing. And I was like, hmm. Thanks, mom. Um, I never got gifts for Easter. Uh, my my holiday. My parents were like, "This holiday is about Jesus, and not about you." And so, uh, some people get gifts for special anniversaries or special time of the year. Or some people are even so good they get gifts just because. Those like those are the best gifts, right? Because it's so unexpected. Like, have have you ever had to pretend like a, a gift that someone gave you? Um, that you actually hated? Do you ever have to pretend that that you liked it? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like maybe it was that ugly sweater that that, your aunt hand knitted for you for for Christmas. Or maybe it was a gift card to that store that you don't shop at anymore. Um, I I had a cousin, former cousin. I'm sorry. We kicked him out of the family. Um, I had this former cousin uh, who, who won for one year... Before I get there, Chris and I one day, we were walking through Walmart and on the end, like of an aisle, there was this basket and it had decorations in there. It was around Christmas time and it had assorted jars of jelly. And I was like, that would be a funny gift for someone for uh, uh, the white elephant or the gift exchange kind of thing. We should, that would kind of be like a jelly of the month club. That would be great. And, and so we were laughing about that. Christmas rolls around, and my family, we, we exchange names, and you get gifts for this one person. This no longer cousin in my family got my name. I'm, I'm there, And here's the deal. Like, in my family, everyone goes around and takes turns individually opening presents. And so everyone sees what you're getting, and everyone sees your response on your face. So I'm opening up this present, and it's the basket of jellies. The same thing that I was laughing at, and I was like, huh. Oh. Thank you. I was like, "Oh, bless you. This is the best. I love jellies. And like it was, I did. I said, oh, bless your pointy head. And it was, um, I was so angry. Like this was one gift that I got. And it was a basket of assorted jellies. And, and, but anyways, some gifts that we get aren't exactly great. Uh, but, uh, and a lot of gifts maybe we even enjoy. Um, what, what kind of gift for you, maybe a gift for you that could change your life? Maybe for some of you, um, maybe for some of you guys, a full scholarship to the college of your choice. Wouldn't that be a great gift? Yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe, like maybe that could absolutely change your life. Well, How about for some of you guys, a, a, a new car would be something that would absolutely change your life. Um, what about a million dollars? Yeah, for a lot of us, that would be a gift that would change your life. What about what about this? What about this, guys? What about that girl of your dreams, or that that ladies that guy of your dreams? If you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a wife or a husband, you better say I'm sitting right next to him. I see you. Anyways, that would change your life. Or or what about? What about this? What about if, if the gift for you that would change your whole life was happiness for your family, together in unity for your family, or, or maybe a long, long life for your parents or your grandparents? Maybe something, a gift that would totally change your life would be a new life in a new city. See, what kind of gift changes someone's life? So tonight we're going to continue this series called Heart and Hustle. And we're going to look at some scripture here in a moment. If you brought your Bible, we're in, we're in 2 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, if how normal people say it. Um, but we're in, we're in this Heart and Hustle series. No one caught that at all. Um, but we're going to look at this gift that changed our lives. And, and once we receive that gift, it changes everything about us. So here we are, 2 Corinthians um, uh, 8. We're going to start in verse 7. It goes like this. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know, the generous graces of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. So that by his poverty, he could make you rich. So tonight's truth is, and a main point of tonight is that heart and hustle flows out of what God's given you. Your heart and your hustle flows out of what God's given you. So in this verse... Paul, Paul's reading writing this, and he told the people in Corinthians this. He, he lists some areas that this church in Corinthians, that they were doing great. He said, you've got great faith. He said, you are, you're gifted. He said, you're talented. You, you're teaching, and you're preaching, and, and they, you, you're full of knowledge, and you're very passionate about their faith. And all these things, we want that too. See, ha- having faith... Helps us trust God even when life is difficult. See, the Bible tells us that faith comes through hearing God's word. And that it's in, and then also says it's impossible to please God without faith. So, this is one more reason that we need to fill our lives with the Bible, with the word of God, so we can grow in that faith. So we can learn that faith. So we can be challenged and changed by God. And I want to encourage you guys to, to listen to it on your phone. To, to read it. Now hopefully you guys have that the Bible app on your phone. Or to actually read your actual Bible. Take time to know God's words. See because our, our faith helps us have heart. And our faith helps us have hustle. See being talented and being knowledgeable helps Helps us and, and it, it helps us encourage and it helps us strengthen others. But the moment your talent and your smarts are more about you than about others, you're not using them for the way God wants. And we've got some great, talented people in here, we've got some smart people in here. But a lot of times we use our talents to, to elevate ourselves. We're like, look at me, I can sing. I can play guitar really well. I can stand up in front of a crowd and speak well. I can do all these things really well. I am very good at drama. That's not me. I'm not good at drama. But like whatever, we we use these, our skills and our talents a lot of times to elevate ourselves. But God wants us to elevate him through our gifts and our talents. A lot of people are full. There's some passionate people. But our, our culture celebrates passionate people. Having a bunch of excitement and having a bunch of energy for God, that's a great thing. But Paul's, Paul says here in this verse that your passion should turn to action. Your passion should turn to action. He goes on to say, I want you also to excel in giving. He says, I want you to be great givers. And in, in, in a way, the selfless act of giving flows out of the combination of faith, gifts. Knowledge and passion. See, we trust God with our money. We trust God with our finances. We use our talents and our abilities to earn and to raise money. And our passion turns the, into the action of giving. Paul says in verse 8 that we can know the genuineness of our love by how eager we are to serve and to help others. One thing that we say here is that saved people, serve people. And that's our heart and that's our desire. And hopefully that's our passion. And once that becomes our passion, we can't wait for opportunities to help others, to serve others, to be there for others. So here's what he's saying. What he's saying here is that your hustle reveals your heart. Your hustle reveals your heart. We can't say we love Jesus And we love his mission. But if our time and our energy and our resources aren't directed towards him, then we're just talking a whole lot and not doing hardly anything. See, your hustle reveals your heart. See, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. We need to have the right heart, but also we need to have the right hustle. So how do we get the right heart, the the type of heart that creates a hustle in us? See, it's it's the generous grace of Jesus. See, grace is like this. It's like when we get this wonderful gift that we don't deserve. That's God's grace. That's His grace. I don't deserve this gift, but He gave it to us anyways. Man, that's grace. Grace is, is also the power that keeps it. Reminding us of that gift. So our lives are continually changed. See, Paul says this. Paul was talking about, and he said, Jesus was rich. He was in heaven, living in paradise. He was rich, but he became poor. He became just like one of us. And and here's the deal. That's actually even quite the understatement. So imagine this. Imagine this. Uh, How many of you guys play basketball or have played basketball? Imagine this. Imagine Steph Curry one of the best shooters in the game. Imagine Steph Curry, he he trades places with one of the worst bench warmers on your team. Don't point fingers. That may be someone here on your team. But imagine Steph Curry, he trades places with one of the worst bench warmers on the on the 8th grade basketball team. And like I'm not talking about just like switching seats. I mean like switching abilities. So, so Curry, he gives up his superstar shooting skills like he can shoot the lights out. And all of a sudden he trades skills and he, he's struggling to even dribble the ball without falling over. And then in exchange, you've got this eighth grader who's dropping bombs from all over the court and, and setting countless scoring records. See, Jesus, he had all the riches of heaven. He had no need for anything ever. Jesus was eternal. He's not trapped in time. He wasn't subject to sickness or to pain. He was perfect in relationship with with God. And he gave it all up to be with you and me. To be with us. I don't know if you guys can let that sink in. But that's a huge deal. Here's the deal. If I was up in heaven and life was perfect I ain't coming hanging out with you guys. There's no way. I I think you guys are great and all. Um, But I'm going to be in heaven. Like that's where I'm going to be. But Jesus, he gave up all that to be one of us. To be just like one of us. He was perfect in relationship with God. He gave it all up for us. He swapped places for us. He became poor so that through his poverty, we could be made rich. And not like financially rich, but spiritually rich rich. See, Jesus is the gift that can change someone's life. Jesus is the only gift that can absolutely change someone's life. See, the Christian faith teaches us that God sent His Son, Jesus, from heaven to earth to save us. But but what kind of gift was Jesus? See, sometimes we think that Jesus, He came in as, a, as an example. And He did. But sometimes we just think he just came in as example, like he was kind so, so we should be kind. Like he, he loved the outcast, so we should do the same thing. He walked on water. Yeah, you can't do can't many guys have actually tried to walk on water. Yeah, you know Jesus. Uh, but, uh, but Jesus, of course listen, 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 sorry. Jesus is an example. He, of course, is our example. He is the greatest example ever. But the gospel is that not that God sent us this gift of an example. He said he, The gospel is that God sent Jesus as a substitute. And I want you to catch this. This is really important. I want you to know this tonight. He sent Jesus as a substitute. See, Jesus lived the life That you and I owe God. I want you to hear this. Listen, Jesus lived the life that you and I owe God. God requires perfection. Jesus provided perfection. You and I never could. We are not perfect. There's no way we could do that. Jesus died the death that you and I should have died. I am so thankful. For our Lord Jesus, who was a substitute, who took the place for us so we don't have to die with those sins. Guys, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing greater than that.